Today's episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. Life is full of compromise, but there's one thing in life that you should never compromise on, your own health. That's why I like to use ZocDoc to find the best doctors for me. That's how I found my personal doctor, as well as the pediatrician for my little girl. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately. No more awkwardly waiting on hold with a receptionist. My favorite thing is that you can see doctor reviews. I mean, who wants to go to a doctor who makes you sit alone in a room for an hour and then rushes out after barely speaking to you? I love using ZocDoc because, to be honest, it's easy and I'm lazy. Go to ZocDoc.com RS and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot RS. ZocDoc.com RS. Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Welcome to R slash malicious compliance, where one angry lawyer shuts down an entire scummy company. Our next Reddit post is from Sad Puppy Eyes. A while ago, I was in charge of training for a large organization. I mostly did the organizing. As an example, I might coordinate the Dean of Medicine at Yale to come in and give a speech to 200 employees. Our usual location was a large auditorium slash classroom complete with podium and computer. The Dean might show up with a PowerPoint presentation he had to run, so I had my two administration assistants show up at 7.45 each morning. That way, they could make sure the room was ready for whatever speaker or lecturer was there because the usual start time was 8 a.m. Sometimes, as was bound to happen, computer issues arose. Not too often, maybe once or twice a month, tops. Maybe the dean couldn't pull up his PowerPoint, for example, so we'd call our IT guy, Gary, who was two offices away, and he'd come and fix the problem. Everyone was happy, until Gary retired. His new replacement, Todd, did not like this arrangement. Even though he was supposed to start work at 8, he'd often drift in at 8.10 or 8.15. This was not good, because we were having a computer crisis at 8.02 in the morning. Further, he hated walking into his office and immediately having a call waiting for him. He wanted to have his coffee, read his email, and ease his way into the workday. Which, honestly, I can't blame him. So, Todd decided that he would no longer attend our computer calls. He told me to have my admin assistant troubleshoot the problem, since they were there anyways. He was pretty intense about this, until I pulled out the job description of my assistants, and nowhere did it say the computer repair fell under their workload. I then showed him his job description, where it said the computer repair was. 
enter malicious compliance on Todd's part. You want me to attend? Okay, then we do it by the books. No more calling me directly. You need to call the central helpline and have them open a user ticket. Then I'll attend. I pointed out the foolishness of this. It's 7.54 in the morning. I have the Dean of Medicine from Yale and he can't open his PowerPoint. I need it fixed now. I can't spend 15 minutes waiting on hold for the next available help desk agent, then 15 minutes explaining the problem to them, then have them open a ticket and send it to Todd, then another 20 minutes before Todd opens or responds to the tickets. We can't have 200 people sitting for 45 minutes waiting on Todd. Too bad, he said with a smirk. Those are the rules. Or you could just have one of your admin ladies fix the problem. I tried one last-ditch effort to reason. I said, when the CEO is going to give a speech and the computer shorts out, he doesn't have to wait for 45 minutes, so obviously you can make exceptions. Common sense says this should be an exception too. Nope, Todd said. The CEO staff do what's called a preemptive ticket. They submit it ahead of time and have me there on standby in case things do go wrong. So, yes, even he has to do the ticket process. Okay, Todd, I see your malicious compliance and raise you one of my own. The next morning, I sat with coffee in hand and waited, smiling in anticipation. Sure enough, my door burst open with a furious Todd saying, What the F is this? He snarled, waving a printout. I submitted preemptive tickets for every day for the next three months, requiring Todd to be at my training room at 7.45 every day just in case there was a computer emergency. Even better, I'd contacted his boss's boss and received authorization to change Todd's work schedule due to operational requirements. So he would now be required to work 7 to 3 instead of 8 to 4. I said, or you could just pick up the damn phone when I call and come over. He agreed that the ticket process wouldn't be necessary and he would show up as needed. Oh, we have a rare instance where Todd tried to pull the don't mess with the IT guy card and then OP basically reverse unoed and out malicious compliance the malicious compliance. Our next Reddit post is from Necron Boy. So in the 90s, I started work on the shop floor of a pipe making factory, but I made a few friends in the office. So one year, at our end of year party, I overheard a story from the corporate lawyer who was retiring on the same day. Someone asked him what his most memorable case was. This lawyer was gray. Gray hair, gray skin, gray clothing, gray manners. Nothing distinctive about him at all. In fact, at the annual company party known for drinking, this guy was always sober, but not that night. He was a contracts lawyer. He had never brought a case to trial. He just proved contracts all day, as far as I know. So anyways, we made pipes. Plastic pipes. We were the second biggest pipe manufacturer in the market, and we would swap contracts with the biggest manufacturer, as we both bid on supplying the big players in the markets. In our jurisdiction, we had a government communication department which got sold off and became a big telecommunications along with the deregulation of the sector. We supplied electrical pipes to this big telecommunications company, lost the contract to the competitor, gained it back, etc. Life goes on. One day, a new international company entered our market and started undercutting the local big telecommunications company. Let's call this other company OK Telco. 
So as things go, we lost the big telco contract, but we picked up the OK telco contract, which was bigger because they had to establish an entire network from scratch. So yay for us. This is where our lawyer, Mr. Gray, enters the story. He is a contracts lawyer, not a criminal lawyer or some other specialty, but a contract lawyer. He gets a please attend meeting invite from Big Telco along with a select few from our company. It's probably about the upcoming renegotiation of the contracts. Mr. Gray and his boss walk into the room, and sitting across the boardroom are the VPs of the Big Telco company and some expensive lawyers. They ambush Mr. Gray and our company boss with an injunction that would prevent us from selling our pipes to their competitor, OK Telco. They threaten to take us for everything, including the pension fund for daring to supply the competition. Big Telco had a strict contract on the table that had to be signed then and there. Otherwise, they would have one of their lawyers who is standing by at the courthouse have a judge sign an injunction against us making any pipe at all until the case was settled. It was probably an empty threat, but even a two-week break in our production would kill our company while our lawyer tried to work things out with the judge. Mr. Gray looked over the contract and told his boss to sign. Big Telco was huge, so they could tie us up in legal knots for months. The contract stated that this type of pipe that we were making was the exclusive property of Big Telco and we could only make it for Big Telco. Our boss folded like a shirt and signed. Life went on, and we had to make OK Telco a different type of pipe. A few months later, Mr. Gray attended a 20-year reunion from his law school. Guess who else was there? Mr. Big Shot Lawyer who sat across the table with the injunction, and he was telling everyone about how great of a lawyer he is and how he can push around anyone due to how great he is, and definitely not because of the huge budget of the company backing him and all the other lawyers helping him. Mr. Gray is pissed. Mr. Gray bides his time and pours over that contract. A few years later, Big Telco has to have a name change due to how much bad press they've gotten from their shifty services and practices, and as a way to avoid debts under their old name. They changed everything. Storefronts, letterheads, everything. I'll now call them New Telco. Contracts continue to come and go. The other big pipe company gets the contract from New Telco to make pipes. Mr. Gray immediately strikes into action. The other pipe company and new telco get served with the cease and desist orders about making and using that specific pipe. Their hotshot lawyer is puzzled and angry that this has happened and he calls Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray arranges a meeting and then he hangs up on the hotshot lawyer in the middle of one of his threats. Hotshot lawyer shows up with his team of lawyers to see just Mr. Gray in the boardroom. No ambush, no backup, just him. Mr. Gray lets the guy vent his spleen about how they're going to gut the company and Mr. Gray will never work in law again. Then, Mr. Gray takes out a packet of papers and a highlighter. He makes a few strokes with the highlighter and pushes the packet close to the other lawyers. They read what Mr. Gray had highlighted and screwed up their faces. The contract states that only our pipe company, in conjunction with Big Telco, can make that specific pipe exclusively, with no substitutes, parent or child companies, successors, or blah blah blah. Since our pipe company and Big Telco were the only two companies listed on that contract, then those two companies were the only two sets of people who could decide the fate of this specific pipe. And since Big Telco no longer existed, well, that only left us. 
Hotshot lawyers said they could reclaim ownership of that type of pipe since they were in effect just a rebranded Big Telco. Mr. Gray pointed out that if you admit that you're just a rebranded Big Telco, then wouldn't that make you liable for all the debts that you avoided? Hotshot lawyer claimed that they inherited the ownership of that pipe. Mr. Gray cut him off with the no-child company clause. Hotshot lawyer went on for a while, being blocked by Mr. Gray at every turn. And by the end, even the Hotshot's hired lawyers were jumping in to shut down the Hotshot lawyer because he was exposing them to even greater risk with everything that he was saying. As they were leaving in defeat, Mr. Gray said two things. This was an unfair fight. All of you versus me. Next time, bring more and smarter lawyers. And since we now effectively control this pipe, here's a document making the color public domain. We don't want to screw over the other pipe company. It's not their fault they have idiots for customers. Our next Reddit post is from Assault Tank 1. I work in a barbecue restaurant as the pit master, so I run the smokers and handle all the raw meat preparation. I have to get there by 5 or 6 a.m. depending on the day in order to have all the food ready to open the restaurant at 11. Well, the general manager decided that she was spending too much on labor and needed to cut back on hours. As such, she told me at around 2 p.m. on a Thursday the following. I need you to clock out by 1 p.m. every day, no matter what. I asked for that in writing, and I got it. So the next day, I went up to the head chef, and I told him that I had to be out by 1 p.m. no matter what, and I showed him the signed note. I set an alarm on my phone and got to work. I got through all the prep work for the next day, and I had just started cleaning when the alarm went off. Now, at this point, the pit area looked awful. The walls had some smoke stains that come off pretty easily with degreaser, but build up over time. The cooler floor had some blood on it that needed to be cleaned up before it spoiled and started smelling bad. My table had some seasoning left on it from where I seasoned the pork for the overnight load, and the wall still had bits of skin, gristle, etc. stuck to them. The trash can was also full. I told the head chef that it was 1pm and I had to go. He looked at the pit and said, Yep, this is what I expected, but he let me clock out and go. This goes on for about a week, with the pit looking worse and worse each day. Then, the district manager comes in on my day off. The head chef told me that the district manager immediately started chewing out the general manager for the pit looking awful, and how the pit master had to stay until the pit was clean no matter what. Also, I got it in writing, so I'm now currently working to about 2.30pm every day, doing the full cleaning that I was doing before. LOL. Oh man, come on, people! It's really easy to identify people who don't listen to r slash, because when someone says, Sure thing, boss. Can I get that in writing? You'd think they'd be like, hold on, wait a second. Wait, am I doing something dumb? Am I being stupid? Am I ruining my life here? I might be ruining my life. You know what? Maybe just, maybe retract that last statement. Never mind. Our next Reddit post is from Squidly Man. There was a girl at my high school who wasn't in my grade, but was in one of the classes I took. She had some type of cancer or tumor. I didn't know the specifics, but she had to have a couple of brain surgeries, which left giant scars all over her head. She lost her hair from the medications as well. She just wanted to experience high school like everyone else once she felt well enough to do so. I remember her being so excited after going wig shopping one weekend. The next Monday, she walked into homeroom with some big bright Dolly Parton hair. She looked awesome, and you could tell that she felt so good too, which is what mattered to us. The teacher was not having it. 
The girl tried to explain to the teacher, and we all tried to explain as much as possible without getting into the girl's business. The teacher wouldn't listen and demanded the girl take off her wig, not hearing us all try to explain the cancer situation. We were all mad for the girl, but the girl just smiled, took off her wig, and sat back, ready for class. The look on the teacher's face. I think the girl said something along the lines of, I don't want to distract my classmates with my new hair. I'm sorry. The teacher couldn't focus. She just kept losing her place and staring at the girl's giant bright red scars. Wig or not, we thought the girl was beautiful anyways. Many of us went to the principal before the bell even rang. The teacher had to apologize and was forced to give the girl an exemption from the rule. What rule we never found out. The girl just smiled and said, but I don't want to distract my classmates in response. The teacher quit after a month. Our next Reddit post is from Pistis Party. I worked for a dispensary and we handled a lot of cash. So every morning, and sometimes two to three times throughout the day, an armored van would arrive and deliver change or pick up the safe contents. As a medical dispensary, we had lots of patients who used the handicapped parking spots. There were only three for the whole building, yet every morning the armored truck driver would always be sure to pull his van up sideways across all three spots. The morning delivery took the longest, which often meant that customers would arrive and not be able to use those parking spots. After asking the driver not to do this anymore, I was told to call his boss if I had a problem. His boss said that if I had a problem, to handle it myself, so I did. I had parking enforcement send two people to our location, and when he pulled his van into place, as usual, across all three handicapped spots, they pulled an enforcement car up to either side of him and wrote him a total of five infractions. Shortly after, we switched companies, which was probably unrelated, but I secretly think that it was a small shame they felt inside after being jerks about something we all know better than to do ourselves. Down in the comments, we have this story from Mama Bear. I went to the bank, and the armored car guy blocked all the handicap spots. It was winter, icy, and I was on crutches after doing leg surgery. I asked the guy to move. He flipped me the one-finger salute. I took a picture of him in his truck and emailed the armored car company. I got a call the next morning from the company telling me they were going to fire the driver because this was the third complaint about him specifically doing that. Bye-bye, job. That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.